0: Night Talk with Oliver Dixon. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for staying with us. A brand new kid is on the block. Rise Mzanz is the name of the political party and its national leader, Songezo Zibi, is with us to tell us all about Rise. So Songhezo, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Really do appreciate it.
1: Good evening, Oliver. Thanks so much for having me on.
0: Congratulations on the launch of RISE. Do you perhaps maybe just want to start off by giving uh, our listeners an elevator pitch of what RISE Mzanzi is and offers? Uh,
1: Thanks, Oliver. Look, I think let's start with the problem uh, quickly, which is South Africa is broken, actually. It's not just the the politics and the political system. We've lost something in South Africa. The the optimism, the belief that we we can solve our own problems our own problems. And that's because we've lost our way in many respects in terms of our nation building project, non-racialism, the democratic project itself, and also just the ability to get things done, whether it is municipalities in terms of local service delivery, it is state-owned enterprises, or even what government departments do. And as a result, a lot of South Africans leave, it used to be white South Africans, it is now young black South Africans who leave for Europe and the, and the US and Asia and, and so on. And so we believe that getting South Africa back on track needs us to identify the values that would bind us together for us to have a vision, a national vision for the country, and also to bring South Africans together in a process. And we set up this process in our documents and it will culminate in, in a manifesto in, in September to bring them together whether they're in civil society they' in business um, and so on to build the South Africa that we that, that we all deserve uh, yeah basically so it's a political party with a movement culture
0: yeah uh, let's uh, the, the natural question then is right uh, does that not exist at the moment? Was there a need for a brand new vehicle to be set up to be able to bring that about? Could you not perhaps have joined an existing vehicle and use that as a means to fix perhaps that which you problematize as part of the leadership crisis in South Africa?
1: Oliver, uh, what we're doing is an outcome of two things. One is a very careful examination of what else is out there. I can assure you, I do not think that there is any political party uh, that has set out the kind of vision and changes and national values that we have set out including how to bring society together uh, first of all so to that extent when you are clear about the idea yeah, that you want to take forward you look for it and if it's not there the question is do you abandon it the second thing yeah is that we've actually had an extremely extensive process uh, through the Rivonia Circle, uh, because RISEMZANZE came out of that process, where we very actively listened uh, to South Africans, first of all. We built alliances actively, and uh, out of that process, we are quite clear that what we are placing on the table and the process that we're setting out is going to resonate with a lot of people. And again, nobody else has done it the way that we have and are going to be able to are going to be doing
0: it yeah give us a call 086 0002032 in conversation with song Ozibi, the national leader of rise mzanzi did you perhaps watch that many f- that launch of the party today what are your thoughts what are your feelings perhaps you have questions of your own i'd love to hear from you uh, again that number is 86 0002032 i'm taking your voice notes on 0614104107 we continue on the other side of this break you are listening to Oliver Dixon on the station of the year. I'm in conversation with Songezo Zibi, the national leader of Rise. Songezo, when when I when we started the conversation, I asked you to give us an elevator pitch about what rises. You seemed to mm-hmm. first and foremost problematize the culture of leadership, and not give a. and and give an offering of what the culture of leadership is that rises injecting into the political contestation, not necessarily a policy injection into the political contestation. So at this moment most of us don't know what the policy position of rises and we'll get to that and i want to ask um, we'll do a rapid fire uh, round and 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 just do a, a temperature check on some policy positions that you think may emanate in the party but it really is the culture of national leadership that you that you f- aim to fix first and foremost
1: political and I, and culture political culture rather than culture of leadership and maybe i should explain that um, so I was referring to political culture, yeah. uh, Oliver. And that is th- the current political culture is where a political party as a closed unit of a membership approaches the electorate and promises to deliver the outcomes that the electorate is looking for. That's the general formula. Typically, people are, are given membership forms in a gazebo or in a door-to-door to fill in and become members. If they don't want to be members, they move along yeah, and political parties chase membership numbers to chase a million members by a certain period and so on. That's South Africa's political culture. We do not do that. So as you will see over the next few months, we are going to have just in the next 90 to 120 days, about 35 town hall style meetings. Our style is to let people talk, it is to understand, to ask all the questions that you should ask when you understand every public gathering about matters affecting the public or communities to be political matters. You let the people talk, you drive that conversation towards a set of solutions or a set of steps that need to be taken and you build a political program around that. No one has to be a member to participate in any of RISE MZAN's meetings or activities. People don't have to be a member of a branch. They can either be a supporter or a volunteer, an activist, and organizer working in each community. That's the second. The last thing is we recognize the important part played by civil society and community groups and keeping communities together and fighting the decay that we all experiencing. Yeah. So people can be part of our effort either as individuals or as part of uh, organizations. This will culminate in a People's Manifesto Convention in, uh, in late September or early October. We'll finalize a date soon. And it is on the basis of that manifesto that we will then have further mobilization towards the election. How is that different? Traditionally, we wait for political parties in February to present their manifestos to the rest of us, and nobody reads them.
0: So that's different. OK, so, uh, yeah, perhaps I, I want to read this passage to you that you wrote in your uh, reflection on a new society. You said that over the uh, about basic entitlements. you say over the years, I've become convinced that the ANC no longer has an idea what kind of society it wants to create. And even if it does then it does not articulate it. It must be doing it in a in complete obscurity. Its policies bear all the hallmarks of a political thought process that is captured by narrow-minded bureaucratic thinking. The national institutional f- infrastructure is not, as it should be, centered around individual, family, and community wellness, safety, and prosperity. Consequently, government investment and interventions are not sufficiently integrated and in some areas not integrated at all. The ANC will tell you, and many political parties as part of our political culture will tell you, no, our our political thinking process is one that is bottom up. We also go to the people on the ground, we listen to them, and that which they ask us is what we include in our manifestos. We may debate it, we may disagree about it, but it ultimately becomes our manifestos. The ANC will tell you about its national policy conference uh, that t- takes place and how branches Are what injects into the ANC's political identity, its policy positions and its direction in terms of what it aims to achieve. I'm not sure from a structural perspective if you can achieve politics outside of that framework, right? And that is what most political organizations seem to be doing anyway. How are you going to ensure that from your national dialogue across the country on your roadshow, that when you listen to people, you listen to how they problematize the conditions they live under, but that the solutions they bring about are not wayward or unconstitutional or uh, deeply problematic, right? Because it may well be the case that that is what emanate from conversations on the ground.
1: Uh, Oliver, thank you very much for that. So let me give you a very practical example, and we can go and check this out. So, Many communities are struggling with, uh, with uh, youth drug usage, drug trafficking, drug addiction. We all talk about Amapara. Yeah. So we all know that problem. Now, Oliver, and this is a rhetorical question, is that a crime problem? Is it a health problem? Is it a social structures problem? Sure. Or is it all three, Right how does government understand legislation and policy making they've got clusters right yeah and those clusters say you've got a security cluster you've got a social cluster and so on which means this drug problem will be dealt with partly by begging by throwing y- youngsters in prison we do not talk about rehabilitation we do not talk about prevention it's not an integrated strategy at all right right if you go to the budget this one that we've got you can go and check it out check the budget review check the estimates of national expenditure yeah this problem does not appear anyway because it falls into a black hole because the current frame of thinking doesn't understand it in an integrated fashion but when you yeah. talk to people they will say Firstly, we would like these kids to not have to deal with the drug problem. There's a prevention issue, which means it's an education issue. There is also a policing problem at the level of the drug traffic. That's the first thing. The second thing, the people who traffic in drugs don't get arrested at all. There are no rehab facilities. There are no sporting facilities and so on. So so what happens if you continue to deal with this problem in the current fashion? It means we we almost never deal with it at all. Because Peggy Taylor does his thing as minister of of police. Joe Pasha does his thing. The way the clusters are arranged, the two of them never meet. Mm. So it's not so much the process and the branches and so on. The thinking, Oliver, is outmolded. It doesn't reflect the kind of problems people are dealing with. And that's what frustrates people. Because all they will see is that the kid who's 17 years old and dropped out of school... What's going to happen to them is they will get arrested and get thrown in jail. They come out at 22, 23, they've got a criminal record, they can never find work. Mm -hmm. And that, so, as an illustration, that's the kind of thing we're talking
0: about. My question was more specifically to the question around the policy-making process, right? Because your answer to my question around that was to say, look, what we're going to be doing is we're going to, over the next couple of months, we're going to go listen to South Africans in their corners. And we're going to continue doing what we did at Rivonia Circle. And we're going to build a policy framework or a national dialogue uh, will emanate uh, from our work. And that will be the direction which the party pursues solution making. I'm curious about how you seek to filter out just bad ideas in that process and that may genuinely come from the bottom up. So so Oliver, I think, uh,
1: so let me maybe set out more clearly. So we released two documents today apart yeah. from the constitution, right? The first one is a 22-page document. It's an overarching uh, vision about how we reset South Africa. You've got the vision, you've got the values there, you've got a a sort of granular idea of what we need to change. I think the passages you read are probably from my book. Yeah. Uh, I could be wrong. So So it is. Yeah, the policy document is obviously written for exactly this kind of conversation that we're talking about. So that is one example. The reason we've done that, it includes an ideological declaration, for instance, or their values, it includes an ideological declaration. Yeah. And the reason you have an ideological declaration, and we set it out in detail is that if somebody is right wing, for instance, and wants to do whatever, sorry, this is not the discussion for you. <laughs> first yeah. of all. Okay. right? So you can sift people out in that way, right, for instance, and it's not in a bad way, we just don't believe in the same thing, uh, firstly. Secondly, we may make certain things about the Constitution, Bill of Rights, for instance, chapter two of the Constitution, non-negotiable, don't come here and say you want the death penalty, you're not gonna have this conversation (laughs) here, right? So I'm just saying what we, this document is a frame that then guides how we have this conversation and we drive it towards an outcome. The second document sets out thematic priorities right and we set what those are it's a reform of the political system for instance and the government on, on the one hand it is about safety broadly we can talk about policing and road safety and those kind of things within that frame there is a climate change there is there's a there's corruption. There is an economy and so on. So we've set out these themes so that as we get into these conversations, people have had 32 pages, have yeah. had other types of content, videos, podcasts, and short videos, and so on, right? To 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 look at, to discuss so that when we have those town hall meetings, they're not fr- they're not green. And the last point I want to make is we're able to produce these papers because we've spent a lot of time in communities already so we're playing back what people have already said we're not starting from scratch
0: yeah give us a call zero eight six triple zero two zero three two i'm also taking your whatsapp voice notes on zero six one four one zero four one zero seven zero six one four one zero four one zero seven do you buy into the offer that is under table by Raism Zanzi as a political alternative at the ballot box next year. You are listening to Night Talk. We're going to take a quick break and continue on the other side of this. Night Talk with Oliver Dixon. I'm in conversation with the national leader of Raism Zanzi. Let's have a listen at some of your WhatsApp voice notes that's come through on our WhatsApp line on 0614 104 You can keep those coming in.
2: Why are they only opening this new party now? Because South Africa has been broken for a very, very long time. You, yeah. why only now,
1: before we vote uh, in 2024? Just
2: want to ask that, Lungila from Cape Town. Thank you. Evening, evening, Olive. Ah, right, Mzans, it's just a waste of time, This guy still wants to go and ask the people what they want. He doesn't know what people want. Ah, it's a waste of time. Yeah, okay, let me go.
0: Hi, Oliver, it's Dumzi
2: from Cape Town. Uh, In my analysis, the problems of Africa are because we just want to share. We, We want to come in in the sharing of the resources but we don't want to come in in the production of the resources. We spend a lot of time mobilizing on politics. Politics is about economics, about the sharing of the economy, distribution of the economy. But we are less concerned about the actual production in the economy. We are less concerned about the economy than with politics, hence we end up having these type of fights like in sudan and everywhere else we are fighting for sharing the resources we are fighting for politics but not fighting to produce anything
0: so there's do you want to reflect on those voice notes over there
1: yeah i'll reflect on all of them except the one that was crude um (laughs) I, i i don't Debate like that. Uh, firstly, I mean the, the first one that says we, st- we still don't know what people want. Well, it's an accurate data. I think immediately before we listen to the voice notes, we dealt with that. That was my yeah. last answer, so yeah. I'm not gonna deal with that. Uh, on to the last one. There is something called the political economy. So he's talking about production. It's something called the political economy, and basically, it's like how you use the political system to shape economic outcomes in a country i am I'm not sure what he's getting at uh, because I understand the gripe about the fact that uh, we focus on the political mobilization without the political outcomes. One of the things by the way that we focus on in our in our discussion paper is how to deliver economic justice because that is the real fruit of democracy. but even there, Oliver, we also recognize some structural issues so for instance, people might think. Economic justice is just making sure that people have a job, they've got a job that pays them well, they're not exploited and so on. But we also look at things like spatial injustice. In other words, the poorest people live furthest from economic activity, which means... They spend more of their own money trying to get to a place where they can earn an income, and therefore their income is eroded in that way, which means in terms of how you understand the role of the government, there's got to be public transport belonging to the government, right, that is cheap and affordable. An unemployed person can get a voucher every day to go and look for work and so on, so that you start building equality of access to opportunity in a society. It is therefore that kind of conversation we are and have been having with people and how we understand how you deliver economic justice ultimately um, to people by looking at four or five different things that you should fix together in order to produce a sustainable outcome instead of looking at just one, such as getting someone a job, but they spend 60% of their income trying to get to work and back home
0: yeah, and remain poor. I, I want to ask you a few more questions, right, uh, policy-related yeah. questions, just so we can get a sense of where we're taking this. Uh, so for anyone who perhaps is curious enough to go and read you and then your ideological outline uh, that for them to go do so. In 30 seconds, do you have a uh, back-of-pocket answer to the question on the land issue in South Africa?
1: Yes, absolutely. So that falls both under justice generally and also economic justice and that we basically need to go to land redistribution and leave uh, land restitution. It's going to take too long. Uh, it doesn't take account of a, of the fact that the population has grown, there's been urbanization and so on. Give every South African as, access to land to build a home for themselves.
0: Okay, sure, if, give us a call 86 2032 We started this conversation late, so I'm going to keep you just five minutes longer after the news Songezo, sure. uh, so we can engage a few more questions. If you want to give us a call, that number is 86 2032 I'm also taking your WhatsApp voice notes on 614 It's 11 o'clock Let's take your news. Night Talk Giving you depth and texture to the conversations that matter Monday to Thursdays 10 p.m. It is 5-4, well, yeah, just a tad under five minutes after 11 p.m. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much for staying with us if you've been with us. Uh, we I'm with you all the way till midnight. This is typically where we start the open line, but I'm going to ask you for just for five more minutes. I'm in conversation with Songye uh the national leader of Raism Zanzi, a new political party that was launched today. Just on a, a number of questions that I just the last couple of questions uh, that I want to ask uh Zou. And this yep. is the basic policy questions, right? We touched on the land. gave us an answer on the land issue. Um, The next one I want to ask you, So, just perhaps explain what you mean by the statement. You said the following earlier today at the launch. We cannot have solidarity if we do not have a new non-racialism that sets out to end racism and build real nation unity. What do you mean there by non-racialism? So we've had this
1: dream in South Africa of being a non-racial society, but we've never broken it down. To say what what it means, right? So earlier on, I spoke about the spatial issues, and uh, and the spatial issues mainly affect black people, uh, generally, right? Yeah. So so you've got a legacy, a racist legacy issue that is still with us. It's not just that you do no longer call the 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 K word, or you you know you can use all the amenities as a, as a person. There is still racism built into the system. And therefore, we need to deal with those structural issues in particular where uh, black people are concerned so that we can begin to have an equal society, at least an equitable society. Then you can begin to say we have dealt with racism, uh, at least large, significant aspects of racism, and we we are going towards non-racialism.
0: I asked that as a preamble, really, to just ask: uh, that do, you, do you guys have a position at the moment on affirmative action economic policies, such as Triple B E?
1: No, I mean actually, I mean one of the things we're trying to do is to is to is to also reframe some of the definitions. Um, uh, that we've had uh, under under the ANC, right? We don't don't have to, to, to accept them. For instance, one of the things we state clearly in our position paper actually is that we should encourage more 100% black, black-owned firms okay. <laughs> instead of uh, 2% or 3% in a white-owned company and we call that transformation. Uh, not really. If you want to own the means of production, how about we go for 100% <laughs> instead yeah. of... Ten. Uh, so we take positions like that because, stuck in, it goes towards that non-racialism. A, um, a conversation we just had.
0: Yeah. Perhaps then also then, just to 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 speak about because uh, this is my last question really because we've got two minutes left. South African political parties, especially on the opposition themselves, often suffer from a credibility crisis, um, and there are lots of questions about the mechanisms behind them, the people behind them, and no, and, and yeah. there's absolutely no doubt you're going to be facing those as well. So perhaps let's maybe start with the most basic one. Zanzi is a different and separate entity from Rivonia Circle. To what extent is there a separation? You know, it's it's
1: a complete separation. So Rivonia Circle is incorporated as a company. In terms of the Companies Act, it is a non-profit company, it has a board, and in terms of the law, you can a non-profit company cannot become cannot contest an election as a political organization, it cannot donate yeah. to a political party, it, you know, they, all these kind of things. So Rivonia settle as a board, the reason I have left it is because that overlap is not allowed. Uh, we can't have that overlap between the two organizations. H- however... Rise Mzanzi and Rivonia Circle share a general ideological outlook, which is social democratic values, uh, basically. But Rivonia Circle is free to do its own thing and Rise Mzanzi is free to do its own thing. What Rise Mzanzi will do, though, is to harvest the output that Rivonia Circle puts out in public, whether it is research output on policy and so on, we will harvest it. And Rivonia Circle has established a culture of doing media presentations and p- publishing the stuff that it works on and that will continue
0: yeah so so uh, rivonia circle is not in any such, in any sort of or any form a donor partner to rise Zanzi no, whether absolutely. in kind or otherwise no it i mean rivonia circle cannot
1: be a, a donor to uh to 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 rise so what we did uh, as soon as we had the The conference uh, on the 26th of November, which was a Rivonia Circle event where there was a resolution to start a political movement, we then immediately uh, started that organization. Uh, We called it the People's Collective for the Purposes of Incorporation and it started mobilizing its own resources to do its own work.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and so so if that's the case and you're not charging anyone any fee to join and people can just, I, I guess, just go and say, I join maybe on your website or however you we, tell we it. Ask them to
1: donate, yeah, we <laughs> ask them to donate, though. We ask them to donate,
0: though. Who are your top five donors right now, whether personal or institutional?
1: Sure. Uh, Oliver, I must tell you, one of the things I've learned the hard way with this work, right, is that it is incredibly difficult to raise money if you have not done what we've done today. You are a mere concept. You have no track record. You have not won an election. And people say... That's really great. It's awesome. But um, <laughs> tell, come back to us when, when you're on the road. And so we've had that challenge. We, we've relied on a lot of uh, sort of uh, donations from small people. Our first donor, we've had quite a few. Our first donor is somebody who owns a restaurant in Soweto, gave us 15,000 rand and said, I am proud to do this. I love the idea. I'm going to mobilize my friends and everybody else to help you this the same. So we've had many private citizens yeah. actually just helping us at this point. But we are hoping that after today, things are going to get a lot less challenging.
0: Is Raisa Zanzi politically active in at the electoral box as of today? That is to say, should there be by elections in a ward somewhere where you have a presence that you'll participate in that?
1: No, not at all. We've just started the process of registration with the IEC, so uh, we are in the government. It will be published in the government gazette uh, in fourteen days. Uh, then they will. Uh, they, after that, uh, people have another fourteen days to object uh, on the basis of the name, whatever the case is. If there are no further objections, then we will be registered.
0: There's another party the called. So, there's another party called Arise. South Africa, very close yeah. to your name. Are you objecting? Are you guys going to be objecting to that? Uh, you know, Oliver, we've been debating this, right?
1: And for now, what we are focusing is making sure, as we have been doing since November, that we actually know uh, on the ground <laughs> across the yeah. country, as we have a lot more than we are on Twitter. I mean, Twitter is important. And uh, and just make sure that people know us, they experience us, they experience our political culture and the way we do politics and we build a relationship on that basis. The IEC issues around the name on the ballot and that sort of thing, we'll think about and, and, and see how we respond there too.
0: Yeah. Songhez, thank you so much for your time this evening, man, and all the best towards the ballot.
2: Thanks very much, Oliver. I appreciate it, man. Thank you.